family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. So during this sermon series, what we're going to do is we're going to read the Scripture And then we're going to swing back after the scripture every time before we sit. And we're going to join in this cares chorus. And you're going to see how it fits as we unpack the series. Uh, Today, the scripture that leads us off is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. So I'll read the scripture. We'll have the typical response of the word of God for the people of God. Then we'll move immediately to the chorus. Hope is by the couple Sundays you won't need the book because you'll know it in your heart. Hear now the word of the Lord. Do you not know, and this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sing. I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time that I don't Congregation may be seated, and as you are, let's pray together. Oh God, let your scripture speak to our heart. Let a music prepare us to hear your word encounter us, and may your spirit stand between me and your people, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be transformed by your presence to become your words for your people in this your day. And all of God's people in the spirit of Christ did say, Amen. I was struck several months ago by this book recommended by a friend, Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge. It's actually the second book that I've read by John Eldridge. The first one was called Resilient. And the book Resilient was really helpful coming in and through the COVID 
to be able to hear the biblical concepts of having, having to really get resiliency. In fact, I would say the two things that really have helped me just from a human form to ground my life are a book called The Upside of Uncertainty and Resilient. Those two talk about um, what it means for our lives in difficult times. In the book, The Upside of, of Uncertainty, they pull together the idea of transitioning and resiliency, and they create this word called transiliency. And while it's not a Christian perspective or a biblical perspective, I found myself going all through and marking in these passages, oh, that sounds like the words of Paul here, or that sounds like the word of Jesus here. And then we got back and, you know, we're out of COVID and it seems like everything's back to busy. Have you noticed that, folks? Everything's back to busy. But here's, here's what I noticed. I noticed that our dependency in the time of isolation is we became increasingly more dependent, not in a bad way, but man, the way we could be connected before with this now is taken to a whole new level because if you can't make the meeting, we can Zoom you in, right? How many of you uh, deepened your faith or you, maybe your faith struggled during Zoom etiquette learning, right? How many of you had that really embarrassing moment where you thought, oh, I wasn't on mute. I said that out loud, right? <laughs> the technology is this wonderful thing that's helped us get through so much. I, I can remember that first Sunday uh, two, several years ago. Now it's ancient history, it feels like, where, oh gosh, we can't do anything. And literally it was an iPhone, and it was Sean and Matt singing, that grew into what became an ability to really extend ministry to any place and any time. It's amazing what we can do with technology. But this technology that we have, um, I want to be clear, this series is not about demonizing technology, but it's about naming and recognizing the ways that we've allowed computers, iPhones, and social media to disrupt our lives when we become hypervigilant. It's about how we have, have a displaced dependency and a hypervigilant attraction to every being notification. To feel like we have to answer every call at every moment. Does it give you any anxiety if I were to say to everybody, turn your phones off, not airplane mode, off, right? And suddenly you feel like, oh, oh gosh, I'm not going to be available to anybody, right? You think about the ways in which your phone bings and dings and tells you every event happening across the face of this earth. But we forget that we're in a consumer-driven media sort of uh, loop, and that is that if they want you to click on their story, they've got to make it the most sensational thing that it can be so that the ads can come up and they can get paid so they can get your attention, and you get sucked into this feeding frenzy emotionally. You throw yourselves literally into a, a river of... Here's an example. Sean and I were driving back yesterday, and her phone kind of pops up one of these news things, and it says, she goes, oh my gosh, there was a soccer player who jumped into a river to cool off and got eaten by crocodiles. I said, oh wow, where'd that happen? Near us? No, it was in, uh, somewhere in the African continent. You know, so it's like, that, that's a tragic event, right? But what happens is, and I've got a few folks that have touched therapy, uh, a therapist, and, and I'm a law enforcement chaplain. I, I, I believe in this theory, and that is that when you have all these events that are so tragic, swimming in front of you all the time, you, it, it affects you, right? It affects your outlook. It affects your, your feeling of everything. And so Eldridge is saying, get your life back. And we're going to lean into doing that. 
Paul's imagery out of 1 Corinthians is great. Corinthians, the, the town of Corinth, um, is actually, the best way to understand Corinth is it was a trade town, and basically when it came to the Olympics, they were the minor leagues. And in Corinth, you had, um, you had all these athletes in training, and they would go on to Athens and the Olympics, etc. But this imagery of athletic training was something that was known. And you pick up that imagery with Paul. That's why he tells him, look, everybody runs a race, but only one gets the prize. So today's focus is, what does it mean to win? What does it mean to win? And what does it mean to win as a follower of Christ? And is the definition within culture different than the definition within the Christian faith? That's a redundant question, and the answer is yes. Here's the way John Eldridge uh, tees things up for us. He says, technology was going to make our lives easier, make room for the things that we love. Exactly the opposite has taken place. We've let technology take over our lives to be sure, but instead of creating more room for living, we have had to, uh, had it for ourselves to run as the dizzying pace of technology. So it's amazing how we are chasing and chasing and chasing. And this thing that's supposed to help us slow has sped us up. Paul's imagery within this is not only the running the race, but it, there's also this imagery that, that I, I, I strike a blow to my body is one translation. Verse 27 is a difficult one to hear, right? I strike a blow to my body or I, 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 I enslave my body, it says. And literally in the Greek... The word in the Greek and the meaning specifically means to be led around, to lose control. To be led around and lose all control. So Paul is saying to you and me, even from the ancient echo of the city of Corinth, is that we must learn to be able to pause the busyness, to yield our life, or as is recorded in Matthew chapter 16 and Mark chapter 8, if you want to gain your life, you must be willing to lose your life. So how do we put a pause? There's a practical aspect of what I'm going to be talking to you about, and that is, um, shared it earlier, and we want to invite you to, to go to um, the pause. It's a pause app. It's pauseapp.com. Not hard to remember, but what's also on a sheet that's at the uh, table as you came in. And it's a way that you can learn to pause for 60 seconds a day. So I started this a couple months ago, and I'm going to confess to you. Is there any irony that we're going to be talking about the way in which your life is defined by a thing called an iPhone and all the apps that can tell you the temperature and news everywhere? We're inviting you to add one more app to your phone to help you to not depend upon your phone as much. <laughs> yeah, there's an irony in there. And here's how it got lived out for me. I was so excited about this several months ago, picked it up, loaded the app, and I said, oh man, I'm all in, I've read this, yes, I need to pause. Yeah, I can even pick the time of day, twice a day, that I'll get an alert on my phone to pause. And when in that moment of pause, what you're supposed to say is, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. And the idea is you pause the busyness, and you learn just to turn it over to God, and do you know what I found myself doing? I was too busy busy to pause and like it was just another text message or alert I just swiped and I've developed the sin of just swiping so just having technology 
doesn't necessarily cure. But having this gift and challenging you in this series to develop the pattern of twice a day for 60 seconds to just pause and to say a prayer. And I'm going to show you how difficult this is. We're not going to do this for 60 seconds. We're going to do this for 15 seconds. Okay? To show you how difficult it is or how uncomfortable we are with silence because we are overstimulated and feel like we have to be stimulated every moment. Now, those of you with children will wish this could be 15 minutes, right? <laughs> but just for 15 seconds, fix your eyes on something or you can close your eyes. I'm going to count. Okay, it's not going to go on forever. That David issue, this is 15 seconds. I better not hear you snoring wherever you are out there. 15 seconds, okay? Now. Jesus, we give everyone and everything to you. We give everyone and everything to you, God. Amen. That's 15 seconds. So what's it inviting us to do is when you get the notification, is just to pause the busyness wherever you are. Now, if you're driving down the road or you're in traffic, keep your eyes open. Um, but finding a way to still the busyness in the rhythms of life. You see, Paul, what Paul is telling us is that the physical is not meant to serve the spiritual. The spiritual, uh, the spiritual is, the physical should serve the physical. The physical isn't meant to serve and be served. Think, think your hunger cravings to, to unpack this correctly since I've jumbled it up so terribly. You know what you should and should not eat, right? And, but, but, but do you ever have cravings for the things you know you shouldn't eat, right? And what do you do? You, you basically will say, well, I'm going to exercise some willpower if I have the ability to do so, unless the church provides 50 dozen donuts and then you walk out of here in a sugar high with your kids like last week. <laughs> but you, you, you exercise a sense of, of willpower, a sense of, okay, I know what I need to do. Right? This is what Paul's talking about, exercising it. The, the desert fathers, you're going to hear some quotes of that in the coming weeks. And in the monastics, they knew that they had to get away from society thousands of years ago. Over 2,000 years ago, the desert fathers, right? They talk about the importance of the ways in which to, to get out of society so that they aren't influenced by all the comforts and distractions of society. Think back just 500 years ago. What comforts were they leaving? But today, we're so amazingly distracted. And so the, so the end product of this is that what we would be able to do is not serve technology, but to let technology serve us, to, to lean into what God is calling us to, to get our life back and to place the highest priority in our life as our faith in Christ. Here's another way of thinking about it that over 60 years ago, um, when we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of that, Martin Luther King said it this way. Martin Luther King Jr. Our problem today is that we have allowed the internal to become lost in the external. 
We've allowed the means by which we live to outdistance the means for which we live. So much of modern life can be summarized in that arresting dictum of the poet Thoreau, improved means to an unimproved end. This is the serious predicament, the deep and haunting problem confronting modern man. If we are to survive today, our moral and spiritual lag must be eliminated. Enlarged material powers spell enlarged peril if there is not proportionate growth of the soul. When the without of man's nature subjugates the within, dark storm clouds begin to form in the world. Not a whole lot's changed. We still struggle, don't we? And the same technology and gifts that allow us to do amazing things to heal and bring hope are the same things that can distract us and turn the world into nothing more than a mirror reflecting our own self-interest. Paul says later in Philippians, what I do is I press on for the prize in Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews tells us, let's run with perseverance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? Get your life back, church. Let's get our life back together. And if the pause in the midst of all that happens is difficult, um, lean into it. On the back side of your pause information, um, we've created a prayer that comes out of some of John Eldridge's inspired by his material. It's, it's the idea of a daily prayer that you could pray to begin your day to help sensitize yourself because what I've noticed is if I start my day in the right kind of way, I'm more aware of what things need to happen in a healthy and productive way for my spirit. So friends, we're on a transformational journey. We invite you to it. And to learn the joy that comes from putting in a brief pause to focus on Christ. Let's get our life back, individually and together. And let's let that life be in Christ. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are grateful for the witness of Scripture. Not only are the lessons of the teaching that in order to find our life, we must be willing to lose our life. There is a witness of the life of Christ, who time and again withdrew in the midst of his ministry, to a quiet and solitary place. So help us to so lean into this season and opportunity that we would reclaim our life in you and allow you to reclaim the space in our life. Let us, O oh God, use technology to create the healthy margins in life, but help us not be enslaved to the alarms or the calendar of the phones on our hips or in our purses or backpacks. Help us be people who let technology serve us rather than allowing our lives to serve technology. For this we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. We come to this table of communion mindful that as we have confessed our sin, God is welcoming all of us to this table. 
We come remembering that all of us are disciples, that God extends his life in the bread and in the cup, the bread of life, the cup of forgiveness. And so we ask, oh God, that you would send your Holy Spirit upon all of us who are gathered here out of love for you and upon these elements of the bread and the cup. Would you make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood as we allow our lives to be reclaimed by you. Make us one with Christ, one with each other and one to ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Holy Spirit and this, your Holy Church, throughout the world, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we yield our lives to you. And now with the confidence of being the children of God, let us join together in the words that echo through the centuries. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.